instantly Tom's like calling me. He's like, Hey, we're coming out. We need to set this straight. He got in the car, drove, showed up at my house right around like dinner time and came inside and was like, what are your concerns? And like, how can we fix them? It was very to the point. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. It's Thursday, February 9. It's a downpour here in the windy. Great slate of duels this weekend. But let's get to our interview. It's with the great Michael Kemmerer, five-time All-American from the University of Iowa. He's now competing for the Spartan Combat RTC out at Cornell. Love this conversation. What a guy. Great stories. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Fan of the Week goes to a recent Apple podcast review. You'd think I'd have these things pulled up by now, but here it is. Five-star review, my main form of entertainment. The review says, Started listening during the pandemic as I was commuting to work from Fort Myers to Orlando. Quite a drive. Listening to interviews all of my wrestling idols as well as the current stars and some obscure former wrestlers with great stories. I now listen with my seven- and eight-year-old sons on our way to practice. Thank you so much, MSW4257. And thanks to everyone who's left an Apple podcast review. This episode is brought to you by Beat the Street Chicago. Beat the Street Chicago is helping every Chicago youth say that wrestling changed their life. These people are boots on the ground doing the Lord's work, helping spread wrestling throughout Chicago's inner cities. If you want to donate and support the cause, please go to btschicago.org donate. All donations are tax write-offable, which I know is not a word, but it's tax season, and whatever you donate this year, you'll be able to write off on your taxes next year. btschicago.org slash donate. This episode is also sponsored by Quant Wrestling. Quant takes the Moneyball approach to college wrestling. They track and timestamp hundreds of activities in a college wrestling match, input that data into their cloud analytics platform, And on their app, which you can download in the Apple and Google Play stores, you can see detailed statistics on college wrestlers. You can compare different wrestlers. So go to Quant Wrestling on the Apple and Google Play stores. Quant Wrestling, download the app now. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for Michael Kemmerer. 
Michael Kremer, welcome to the podcast. Yep. Thanks, Ryan. Good to be on. So first of all, congrats on Cornell repeating as Ivy champs yesterday. How's the, uh, how's your time been out there so far? Yeah, it's been great. Um, you know, coming to a new place, there's always, you know, challenges with that, but it's been awesome, you know, been accepted with open arms and, uh, it's been good to help these guys out a little bit different. Um, coming from Iowa big 10 program, you know, it's been kind of cool to, to see the difference with the, you know, the, the Ivy leagues and just kind of a different way of doing things a little bit. Um, but it's been awesome. It's been, been a really great experience. Good to see these guys having success, get another Ivy league title. So talk us through the, the journey out there when you got the call and how you decided uh, to end up in Cornell. Yeah. So it was kind of a, a process, you know, after season ended last year, I, I didn't really know what my next move was going to be. And, um, Back at Iowa, you know, I was kind of talking with with the coaches and everything, and they, they were like, um, you know, you know, it's it's really up to you what you want to do. So I, I had some places kind of reached out, wanted to see if I was interested in coaching, competing, if I was going to do something completely different. Um, and so Frank Pirelli reached out to me and was like, you know, what are your thoughts post college? And I said, you know, I don't know. I, I just got so I have a master's degree in finance. I was like, you know, I, I might go the non wrestling role, but I love wrestling. I might want to keep competing. I was coming off a shoulder injury so I didn't know if I wanted to keep competing and um, I was like you know I might want to coach too and he was like well good news for you we got all three I mean he's like we you can uh, you know we got a great RTC you can compete here if you want Um, they have the the frog program the gray shirts that come in so you don't have the traditional red shirt route so he was like you know we'd we'd love to have you come coach those guys and he's like and we got a a contact uh, you know that that he has a big healthcare business name's Tyke it's like he'd love to take you on if you want to you know, be with us in a finance role. So that was pretty, pretty entertaining, especially because I didn't know which route I wanted to go. So they kind of were like, you can get a little sampling of all three. So, um, so yeah, I went out, checked it out and, uh, you know, seemed like the best fit. That Spartan combat room that's attached is, is beautiful, isn't it? Oh yeah. It's an awesome facility. It's, it's cool how they have that, the front area, then the back area there too. It's awesome. Now the, the company you're working at, Joe Silvestro works there. Who's a uh, he's a Chicago guy. He he wrestled uh, with with Coach Cole at UNC. He's like an SVP at the company you're at. Have you come across him yet? I haven't. No. Yeah, it's a was Aviva Health or where are you Zinnia. at now? Avinia. Yeah. Zinnia, yeah. Yeah. No. He uh yeah he was a national qualifier at UNC when Cole Rob Cole was there and he coaches a a really strong program in Chicago Marmion Academy. And, um, yeah, he works there. I was like, that's interesting. So the owner of that is a big wrestling guy. Yeah. He wrestled for Cornell, um, back in the day and he's a big donor, um, you know, has a a ton of support and he's, he's helped out a lot of the former Cornell wrestlers. And I think wrestlers even from other programs, but he's, he's got a ton of, uh, former Cornell guys working for him. So he's a, he's a huge resource for these guys. So when you say you're coaching the, the frog program, I forgot they called it the, the frogs. Yeah. Yeah. So those are, you know, a traditional program. Those would be your red shirts. But as you said, you can't redshirt in the Ivy League. So these guys live in a house together. And I don't know if they still do, but they used to take a couple of junior college classes, but they're kind of on their own. And so you're basically their coach. Yeah. Yeah. So it's me, um, Andrew Morgan and Devin Skatska. And we basically have these guys and it's a lot of, uh, you know, 18, 19 year olds coming in. Uh, we also got Meyer Shapiro up here as well. So he's uh, still a high schooler, but yeah, we got this, these young guys and they're kind of making that transition. So yeah, they go to, uh, 
CC3, a little community college, take some classes there. And then they're with us and, and we, we send them to all these opens. You know, we hit all the November, December opens, just was actually at an open this past weekend in Edinburgh. So, um, but yeah, we're in the room with those guys and they can, they can mix in a little bit with the Cornell guys at certain times, but uh, we're putting, putting a training plan together for them and all that good stuff. Dang. So Meyer Shapiro's in high school still. He's a senior in high school. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, dude. Kid's a beast. Yeah. He's a stud. He's been, uh, he's been a fun guy to coach for sure. He's got some good energy and he can definitely scrap. So has there been a, uh, I mean, you're, you're, you know, almost through your first season. Has there been any like points of reflection where you're like, man, I, I thought coaching would be one way and now it's different or, or is it pretty much what you thought it would be? Um, in some ways it's kind of been what I thought, I guess, uh, the big thing and people have kind of told me about it is you got to learn that there's different ways to reach different people and kind of push different buttons. And, you know, you got some guys and they're going to be wired very similarly to you and you can kind of talk to them a certain way. And, you know, that, that's what gets them going. But some guys, you got to kind of get creative and find different ways to reach them. And, um, you know, I think one thing I realized too, is there's a lot of things that I see as a coach that maybe it's hard to get your wrestler to see the same vision that you have, you know, that, you know, they're right there, especially that first year they're coming in. Um, there's some hard adjustments there and it's like, you're close. You just, you gotta, you gotta bring a little bit further. So, um, just kind of trying to get those guys to realize where they're at and, and if they're making good progress and, um, get them to see the big picture, I guess, is a big part of it. Yeah. It must be, uh, like you said, you can see things that they can't. And so even if you're telling them that sometimes it takes just a little bit of, uh, experiencing it before they buy into it. Yeah, I think so. I think part of that, it's just that, that coach athlete trust too, saying, you know, you might not see what, I, what I'm seeing, but, but you got to have that trust and know, you know, stick with the plan, stick with what we're telling you. And it's gonna, you're going to start seeing results, you know? It's cool that they have you as a mentor because I heard that when you were first getting at Iowa, Thomas Gilman was one of the uh, kind of quote unquote mentors who, who had an impact on you. How did that relationship go? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a really good uh, group of mentors when I first got out there. So there was that class with uh, Gilman, Clark, Brooks, Alex Meyer, um, Nathan Burak. He ended up not redshirting, but he came in with them and he was still around. Um, and there were, there were a lot of other guys and, uh, yeah, so Gilman and I, we, we, uh, we were roommates on, you know, all the road trips. He kind of, you know, wanted to, to grab me, you know, as a young guy in, in the lineup and, and room with me. So, you know, it was good. I, I liked being on the team, having all those senior role models because I could kind of see the way they did things and I was seeing their success and I was like, Hey, you know, these guys, they're the, they're the prototype of what I need to do. So I just, you know, adapted that and, uh, it was awesome. You know, it was really fun being a young guy with them and then later kind of being the old guy uh, the last couple of years there and kind of reversing it and trying to do the same for those young guys. So, And was Metcalf still training there when you first got to Iowa? He was, yeah. So I got there and uh, it was 15, 16 season. So, um, so they were getting ready for Rio, that, that 2016 trials. So I wrestled a lot with Metcalf and Dennis and, and Ramos too. Um, so I had I had the older guys on the team, but especially being a red shirt, I, I spent a lot of time wrestling with those freestyle guys. Dang, that's so I I thought it was maybe just like a few months with that. You had it for a good year working out with those guys. I did, yeah, and I that was back. So when I came in, I wrestled one forty nine my red shirt year. So I was kind Which of is in a crazy, good by the way. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We moved up a few weights, uh, but yeah, back then I I was in a perfect spot to wrestle with those guys. 
Wow, man, going with Metcalf during that that his peak time there. I mean, I know it didn't work out for him, but training wise, I'm sure he was going as hard as he possibly could. So, man, that would be interesting as a as a young guy. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, uh, you know, my my eyes were wide, my ears were open. I, I wanted to learn everything from those guys, and uh, I was a pretty big Iowa fan growing up, so I had watched them compete a lot. And you know, those those guys were my favorite wrestlers. And then I'm in there with them and McDonough was in there too. You know, he was another one. I mean, there were so many, so many good guys to pick their brain and wrestle with. And, um, you know, I just wanted to soak it all in, you know, it took some beatings, but, um, try to get those little victories there and and just learn from it really. Yeah. Dang. That's awesome. And being an an Iowa fan, I'm guessing that came from, you know, coach strip matter at young guns. Um, when you were first getting started out though, before you worked with young guns, who were your main coaches? Yeah, so first coming through, I came through the Franken Regional Junior Wrestling Program. And uh, so Nico Megalutis' dad, Dan Megalutis, he he was like the the main youth coach there, I would say. And um, it was me, Josh Shields, and Josh Maruka. So we were like, I think I was four or five years old when I started wrestling. So we were in that room scrapping. We were tiny, like 40, 45 pounds. And, um, but from there, there were a lot of good club coaches in the area, like, um, before I even went to Young Guns, I was with Abe and Pitbull, which was really tough. That was right out of the Franklin room. And there was All-American with Rob Waller um, going up there. And it's funny, you know, even the guys I was wrestling back then, a lot of them are, are still wrestling, senior level college wrestling. I mean, you had, you know, uh, a ton of guys like Noel Fletcher, you know, Maruka Shields were obviously there. You know, Vincenzo Joseph. Um, it was Ooh. it was a stacked room. You could keep going on and on, but Man. it was really fun. Yeah, it was well, fun. Both of those guys, Shields and Maruka, they went D1 to Arizona State, right? Yep, yep. Two Franklin guys went there, yeah. What's the uh, Arizona State connection? Did they hit like a family member? Or? Uh, so so Zeke Jones coached our, at the time, assistant coach, Matt Levy. He was an All-American at West Virginia. So he had a good relationship with him. Um, so that year they went, I believe that was Zeke's first year. And I think they had the number one recruiting class or something. They, that was a stacked class and they got a bunch of guys and so they had a good relationship and actually um since then carter divert guy that graduated i think in 20 maybe he franklin guy he's going to he's at asu now too so they had a little pipeline there with that connection nice yeah pretty cool so was abe and megalutis's dad similar approach or different um probably i i think nico's dad probably took some stuff from him but um you know abe was just a very big uh you know, he toughened us up a lot. I would say, you know, we, we had some, some wars, we, we would scrap and the conditioning was always tough. I remember, um, at a young age, you don't really know any better, but I just remember being in some brutal workouts and just kind of, you know, you just had to get tough and he was a tough coach. And, um, I think, he, I think he, he toughened us up just from a young age. That was, that was a big thing. He's old school discipline too, man. If you talk about, I can't remember, God, it's so embarrassing, but he had a coach at Penn state when he was there who was from Japan and was like old school discipline. And uh, it sounds a lot like what he was doing to you guys, what this guy was doing to him. I can't believe I can't remember his name, but um, yeah, Abe's uh, he's the man. Yeah, no, he was, he, uh, he probably had some, a little bit of old school training methods there that, uh, <laughs> that, that, I mean, we took it in full stride though. I, I, I think, I don't know how, how politically correct all of it was, but it, but it was, <laughs> uh, it sure toughened us up and we had a tough room, man. I mean, if you could go back and see, see that room and what the, what a lot of those guys grew up to, to be, it's pretty awesome. And then how did you trickle into the young guns program? 
Yeah, so actually, Sonny left in um, 2006 grade. He left. He, he moved out to, to a different location. So we didn't have anyone there. And then I don't know who the connect was, but someone brought Jody, brought Young Guns into the high school. And I was like, you know, I live two minutes from the high school. And I went down there. And I just remember, you know, instantly, I think it was the very first practice. I remember sitting there before practice and Jody was talking to us and just really big on, on, you know, accountability and independence and doing things the right way. And, you know, it was just this message that for whatever reason at that time in my life, it just, it resonated with me well. And I was, I was hooked from right, right then. So this isn't like a situation where you're at a tournament, your pops hears about him. You guys drive two hours to join the program. It just happened to be that that's the new club at Franklin regional. Yeah. That's what was so awesome. As you hear about crazy. yeah, eventually you had people driving hours to get there and all this stuff. And and I mean, I had two, I had Abe and then Jody drop right into my lap. I mean, so that's kudos to to the guys with the Franklin Wrestling Program bringing them in because that was two minutes from my house. And, you know, I could I could leave 15 minutes before practice and be there. So, um, but yeah, it, it was awesome. It was a great opportunity. Man, those uh, those Coach Jody uh, pre-practice speeches I heard are legendary. They were awesome, yeah, and that was, I think, kind of where the the original pull to Iowa probably came from because he would kind of kind of tell stories from when he was there or or just little little things that they would do or say, and um, it was right around the time too. Whenever I think it was oh eight, oh nine, ten around then when they rattled off those three titles too, so it was just like a mixture of all those things. So um, it had me motivated, and it had me really wanting to do all the stuff that he had done. So how far? is Penn state from Franklin regional or the high school like uh, where, where you grew think, up? Yeah. I'd say it's probably a little over two, a little over two hours. So is everyone growing up? I, I think Kale was just getting there. Was everyone starting to become massive Penn state fans at that time or not really yet? I would say it was, it was probably just starting to happen right around when I was coming into high school. I would say, um, I think, I, I think my freshman year was like 2011 maybe. So it was kind of right around when they, they started their run. Um, but in general, being in that area, I mean, there, my, my high school had a ton of Penn state fans in general. So then the wrestling program picks up. So you got, you got a ton of, uh, Penn state fans all around you. You know what I mean? Ton of momentum. Yeah. And the town is actually Murraysville, right? Where you were? It's Murraysville. Yep. Yep. Murraysville. Yeah. That's, um, wow. So, so young guns comes in and when would you say, whether it was like high school or middle school, when you flipped a switch and you're like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going all in on this and I'm going to be like just obsessed as I can be. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I kind of tell people um, really right around that time, middle school, whenever young guns came, came to Franklin, uh, I kind of f- feel like the switch in my brain was before, you know, it, you're kind of like you're born in, when you're four years old and you start wrestling, you're kind of, you don't really choose that. You know, it's kind of like my parents were like, you want to wrestle? Sure. But I felt like I was doing a lot of things, you know, oh, my, my parents want me to do this. My dad wants me to to go work hard and, and all this stuff. And I feel like in middle school, you know, hearing those talks and going through those practices, being around that culture, it kind of switched where I was like, you know, I want to be the one that, you know, I'm setting my alarm to get up and work out in the morning. You know, I'm the one that's going to the extra practice, wants to find the wrestling camps. I, I think I kind of took it out of my dad's hands, my parents' hands and what everyone wanted me to do. And I was like, hey, this is my thing now. And and I want to see how far I can go with this. So I would say that's when I really um, feel like I flipped a little bit of a switch there. And you're, you said getting up early. Were you one of those guys that was doing, you know, early morning workouts, two a days in middle school? Um, probably a little bit. 
probably probably was more of a high school thing. I think, you know, I was big on like we'd have our junior high practice and then we would have young guns like an hour later. So I'd go to junior high practice and then I'd come home, eat, and I'd be at young guns, you know. And I just remember Damn. that was like a big thing a lot of guys in the area did is we would kind of have our school practice and then we would have our club practice. And uh I always liked that because um, you know, just just a different element. You know, it was like something I looked forward to, you know, during the school day. I was like Today I'm going to be at Young Guns. I'm going to be wrestling with all my buddies. I'm going to be there. It was just like a a really cool thing where we were working hard, but it but it was it made it it made it feel so fun, you know. Dude, that crop of Western PA kids. You look at the four or five that went to Iowa. There's another handful of them that went to Penn State, and I'm sure you know you know better than anyone. A lot that went to other big programs as well. But man, that was just a loaded time for Western PA. Yeah, it was awesome, and and I think uh, you know I, I still kind of follow, and, I, and I'm wondering if. Western PA is going to get back to, to where it was. I don't know as followed as much as, as I knew back then, but I knew back then, I mean, I felt like we, we were the, one of the dominant areas of the country. And I feel like it was, you know, we would wrestle each other on the weekends and tournaments. And then that Monday at young guns, you would see the same guy, you know, you'd see the same guy you're competing against. We were just all practicing together, competing against each other. And I think it just made us all raise our level so much. And like guys like Nolf were in there, you said Pletcher, um, Vincenzo, was he too far away to come to Young Guns? No, Vincenzo was there a lot. Vincenzo oh, was wow. there. Um, yeah, and then we had like we had like an older crew of guys that was tough, um, like Megalutis, School of Bond. Remember uh, the Henderson brothers were there. Um, I mean, you could, there was Nick Roberts back then. I mean, there were there were so many tough guys in that room that uh, it was pretty special. Would the headlights roll through, or that was that was a different part? I think that was a little bit far for them. I don't know. They might have made it over for like a camper too. We would have guys that could kind of like make the trip every once in a while, but um, he, I think it was a little bit far probably. Yeah. I just was looking through uh, some of your high school brackets and I saw Hayden in there. I'm like, man, PA is just, you know, I, I love Illinois wrestling more than anyone. And I love how, how tough the Illinois state tournament is, but man, there's just no disputing that PA is on a whole another planet when it comes to, to folk style state tournament. I mean, it's, it's so deep and it's only two divisions, right? It's only two. two yeah. Triple A, double A. Yep. And were you guys yeah, the big no, one or the smaller one? We were, we were the big one. So, uh, it was funny cause, um, you know, at Iowa, my roommate was Max Muir and he was double A a couple of times, double A state champ. And he always tries to give me, give me the, Oh, you know, the double A, the double A is tougher speech, you know? And I'm like, Oh, you, you gotta get out of here with that. But, but the double A tournament is, is still so tough, you know, especially certain years depends on, where guys fall, but, um, but yeah, those brackets were always stacked. I mean, even going back to, you know, PJW wrestling brackets, I mean, you could look through them and it's, it's insane. I mean, everybody that ha has wrestled each other at some point, it feels like. So the middle school tournament is called the PJW. Is that like a big deal just to qualify and get down in place of that? And like parents are going crazy kind of thing, super competitive. Yeah, I think it's changed a little bit, but, but so they were, they would break the state up into areas and, uh, so like like my area, they would take two from it, and I remember there were years like what? I remember one year. I mean, I was pretty young, but it was like me, Nolf, and Crevis, and like uh, Nolf was was sitting out or something. And there was like a year where like I mean, there would just be someone like really really good. Like I don't know, I can't think of specifics. Like with me, Shields and Maruka, I remember we're all from the same high school, and only two could go, and so like. Shields one year couldn't go or Maruka one year couldn't go. So it would be like, like a big deal to even qualify. Dang. I mean, it was, it was crazy stuff like that. Whereas, um, you know, I don't think at the time we realized like how crazy that is.
Oh, it's, I mean, like you said, look, going back and looking at those uh, middle school brackets, that would be fun in itself because the three, a state brackets are ridiculous. And I, I love that. It doesn't matter what state you're in. There's always that banter between the big schools and the small schools. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you gotta have it. And then you, you get the states that have the, the one class and they can brag about that, but um, that's another that, level. That's, yeah. Yeah. One, one class PA would be something to see. That would be crazy. Dude, Mike Gray has something to say about that. First four time Jersey state champ ever in one division. That is just, that's lunacy to hear about. Yeah. And then Jersey's a stacked state. So that's, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Illinois used to be two classes. Now it's three, which that's a, that's a two hour sob fest for me. So we'll move on. But uh, it used to be, uh, it used to be 24 man brackets. No dub, no true Russellbacks. Your guy had to carry you through and it was non-seeded and it was just oof, scary. Really scary. Were you guys t- 24 brand brackets or 12 or? Um, I, for, for high school. Yeah. It's, um, I think it was 16 and they actually ended up moving it to 20. So I don't know if it still is, but um, yeah, because it was the same kind of deal, you know, like like the Whitfield Southwest PA. Whenever we were in high school, there were a couple times where really good guys weren't making. I remember like like just specifics, like I think Dom Forey's. I ended up wrestling for Pitt, super tough. His senior year, I remember he didn't qualify because he got fourth, and it was like this guy's not only top four in the region, he's like top top 10 in the country. You know what I mean? He's not qualified right. for the state tournament. So they kind of had to make some adjustments, I think, to make sure that they got all the best guys there. Man, that is, uh, that's exciting yeah. though. And, and when does, when does that all go, go down? Like uh, PA States, is that coming up soon here? Yeah. I think it's usually a little bit later than, uh, than most other States. It's usually like the first weekend in March, maybe the second weekend in March. So um, I think the dual States are going on this coming weekend. And then, there's like a little bit of a break. Then we'll go sections, districts, regional states, all that stuff. So now you're one of those rare cats who not only won an individual title, but you had the team win a title. So talk, oh, yeah. to, talk us through uh, your junior year, first team title, man. That had to be special. Oh yeah. It was awesome. Um, because we knew, we knew all coming up that we had a really special group coming up through the, the age level stuff. And then once we got to high school, we were tough. I remember my sophomore year, um, we were scrappy, we were young and we, we ended up getting third place in the state. We like avenged some losses and we were feeling really good about it. And then, and, um, you get this guy named Spencer Lee that, that comes to your high school. And then that, that adds some points. Mm-hmm. And then him and another guy, Devin, Devin Brown, who was a three-time state champ came at the same time. So those two guys came in and we already had, you know, third place team in the state. So we knew we had something special and, uh, uh, I mean, you, you could go through that lineup, but it's it's insane. And we were we were a tough dual team, but tournament scoring too. I mean, we could really really put the points up. So it was awesome. It was so fun. I mean, and, and everyone in PA must have known the name Spencer Lee far and wide well before he became a freshman in high school. I mean, he he was probably a, a household name all throughout the middle school years as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I think um, cause I think in eighth grade is whenever he was at Super Thirty Two. I think he made the finals. Um, you know, was wrestling. I, I knew because just from, from young guns and he would wrestle with the older guys. I think around then we were kind of the same size. Cause I was a small guy and I could just tell that he was, he was special. He was different. And, uh, so when, when I found out he was coming to Franklin, I knew that we were, uh, we had some serious, uh, a serious point boost on our hands. <laughs> that is crazy to think about. And yeah, and you had, a, you know, when you get to Iowa, you guys win a team title as well. We'll get to that. But 
you know, everyone's everyone's talked about it, and I've listened to a few interviews you've done, and they've all asked you about this. But I'm just curious, you know, your, your junior year, you had, a, as you said, kind of a heartbreaking loss. Talk us through the process to get over that and get back on the horse, um, you know, back to your senior year where you, where you ultimately do win it. Yeah, you're talking about um, the which, Chen- which year? The Chenzo loss and is yeah, your junior? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So that was tough. So I, I got second my freshman, sophomore, and junior year. Um, so it's just like that feeling of coming up short multiple times in a row, super heartbreaking. Um, you know, I think I was lucky. I was just surrounded by a lot of people that, that were like, Hey, you're, you know, you're doing the right things. Um, you know, you know, maybe you didn't get the result you wanted, but you don't have to let this one tournament define you, you know, you get back on the horse and, and come back and, and just keep getting as good as you can. And that was kind of the mentality is I was like, you know, what? I, I love to do this. I, I know how good I am. I know I haven't gotten what I wanted. And it was tough too, because I, you know, I would see, you know, I was wrestling these off season tournaments, wrestling a guy from a different state and always a two time state champ, you know, and, and I'd beat him. Always this guy's a three time state champ and I beat him. And I still, I can't even say I'm a state champ, you know? So dealing with stuff like that, it was tough, but at the same time, I was like, I believe in what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. I love going and competing and training. I love this whole thing. So, you know, let's just get back on the horse and, and get back to it. And, uh, you know, ended up, ended up paying off. Well, it's cool because you retweeted something the other day where it's like how an athlete can get better without comparing themselves to other others. And it's a, uh, I ended up reading the article. It's really interesting. Uh, but it seems like you had kind of that thought process back then of not letting like a result define you, which sometimes takes years and decades for guys to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good article. That's my brother-in-law, uh, Colin John. I'll give him, a little, give him a little shout out. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's real Man. good with the, the, uh, the sports and, and, the mental side of it and everything, but, but no, that's definitely true. I mean, I think that was, that's one thing is, um, you know, you can get into this, this mode where everyone, you, you feel like everyone loves you when you're winning and you feel like, you know, you, you lose people's love whenever you lose and stuff like that. And you got to just separate it and say, you know, I, I, I want to be the best I can be and I want to be better than I was yesterday. Um, do I love what I'm doing? Yes. You know, if, if I threw everything out the window and there was nothing else, I, I, nothing else. This is what I'd want to be doing. I'd want to be out there wrestling. So kind of just looked at it that way instead of looking at, um, you know, is all this hard work worth it if I don't accomplish what I want? Um, it's like, of, of course it is, you know, cause, cause I love doing it and I know it's making me a better person. So that was, that was kind of the thought process and we kept it super, super loose my senior year. We had a really good team, but a really loose team. I mean, we, we had a lot of fun and, um, I, I just soaked it all in. I, I wasn't feeling, any pressure to get the monkey off my back or anything. It was, it was awesome. Wow. And then when you finally did get it done, what kind of feelings were you uh, experiencing at that point? Yeah, it was a little bit of relief to be honest with you afterwards. I would say just like, uh, you know, all right, I can, I can check that off the list, but it's funny, you know, and I'll talk to people about it. I was like, you know, I, I wanted that goal for so long and I got it and it, it diminished so quick and I was on to the next thing on to the, you know, wanting to do well at the college level, wanting to get out to Iowa. I was committed there. Um, so it, it's just funny. You know, it was a good lesson. Like if you can put all your, all your eggs in this basket where if I, if I just get this, then I'll be happy. And I got it. And I was like, man, the, the wins sometimes don't feel as good as the losses hurt. I think that's definitely a, a true thing, man. It's, it's, it's true. in like any Avenue, like whether it's, whether it's money or whether it's winning a tournament, it's, if you put so it put something on a pedestal so much, a lot of times when you finally get there, you're like, man, I should have just enjoyed the process of getting there a little bit more. Right. For sure. That's something that I definitely have learned the, the longer I've competed. And now we talk 
about coaching these young guys and bringing them up. It's helping them to see that. Like sometimes you put these expectations on yourself and it's like, man, if you just go to work and do what you're supposed to do and, and have that goal in mind, like yeah, you're, you're going to get there. Don't, don't, uh, don't get too caught up in that. Just, just, just go to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and for you to, to get to Iowa, I mean, obviously you were super highly recruited Ironman champ, super 32 champ. There's a famous story that I don't know if it's true or not, that you went on some visits, uh, you went to Iowa, but then you went to a bunch of brainiac schools. You went to Lehigh, Cornell, <laughs> Stanford. Um, and so that's, that's the route you were going. Um, you know, you, one of the academics, you went to Iowa and for whatever reason, Tom Brands felt he had to make a 12 hour car ride to come see you to, to seal the deal. What was the story behind that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a funny story. I, um, I, so I was, yeah, going through the recruiting process and, you know, I, I was always a big Iowa wrestling fan and, and they were my team and all that, but I also wanted to kind of stay unbiased and try to make the best decision for me, not just do it just because I was a big fan, you know, and I, and I wanted to be, be true to myself. So I, I took these visits and, um, basically yeah, I went out to Iowa and at the time, you know, a big thing, the big young guns philosophy is, you know, you work hard on the mat and then off the mat, you're doing all the right things. So it's super clean cut kid, you know, that didn't drink, didn't do drugs, any of that stuff. And I was like, you know, you, you work hard and then do the right things off the mat basically. And so I go out there and, uh, my visit, you know, I'm around all these guys that, that I look up to and all this, but I just kind of got a vibe of the culture where I was like, um, you know, it seems like, yeah, the wrestling is important, but the, that the, the social stuff is kind of, not really what I'm about. And I felt like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to fit in here because I'm not really into the work hard, play hard so much. And these guys are probably sick of me telling this story, but, uh, but basically I, I, I was like, you know, I, I just think, uh, you know, Lehigh's a little bit more of a fit for me. I think I'm going to go there. I remember I went back and I was super close with Jody. So I was talking to him and I was like, you know, I just think there's like a little bit of a, a disrupt with the culture. So I, you know, I, I'm really leaning towards committing to Lehigh and, um, and then Jody you know, has a relationship with the brands and everything. So he just tells them, Hey, camera didn't have a good experience. And, um, instantly Tom's like calling me. He's like, Hey, we're coming out. We need to set this straight. You know, there's no excuse for that. And he got in the car, drove, showed up at my house right around like dinner time, and came inside and was like, what are your concerns? And like, how can we fix them? And it was very to the point. And I laid it out for him and he was like, basically like, like, you know, you know, we as a coaching staff are about good culture. We're bringing you in because we want good culture. Like we're trying to change the things that have been wrong with our program that have caused us to not win. And so um, he laid it all out for me. And then we were like, all right, you want, you know, you want to stay for dinner? Like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, nope, I got to get back. You know, not even what? an hour later, hops back in the car, drives straight back, I think. Yeah. So it was crazy. It was like a a quick thing, literally just have an in-person conversation. So then at that point, I'm like, man, pretty reassuring, uh, showed a serious commitment there. Uh, it definitely, definitely swayed me and, you know, talked to my parents again. And, uh, you know, a day later, two late days later, I, I switched my commitment. So it's, it's a wild story. Um, did and, you actually commit to Lehigh? I, no, no, I was about to, I was, I think I told my high school coach, I think I told, some of my buddies and I never even told them like that I was going to switch. I just, they just saw it and we're like, Oh, you switched, you know? And I was like, kind of told them the story later. Wow. 
I can't even imagine yeah, it, if Michael Kimmer went to Lehigh. That's crazy to even imagine. And not that uh, Lehigh is a great program and a great school, but it's just, you know, I, I think of you as like the one of those staple Iowa guys of that generation. So it's crazy to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And Lehigh's probably getting sick of me telling that story too, but it's a good story. I mean, it just, it, like I said, it's, it spoke a lot about, um, you know, their commitment to me. And uh, I do think we got in there and we got a really good group of guys and, you know, it ended up paying off and you know, we got a title. So, well, everyone knows the, uh, you know, the Gable era of the eighties was definitely the work hard, play hard, you know, guys going out till five in the morning and just, and, but still going and wrestling the next day and winning. And you think of like Roy Salger and Randy Lewis, like these guys are animals, yeah. but, yeah. uh, and everyone knows Iowa city is definitely a wild place, but you know, the right. wrestling programs is pretty buttoned up. And so it's just cool that brains was like that. And no one doubts his dedication, but he's that committed where he does no questions asked, gets in the car, doesn't stay for dinner. That's, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. At the time I was, you know, I was odd. And now after going, going through the whole experience there, um, it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, I, I think that the same, the same situation could have happened, uh, to someone else this summer or whatever. And I sure. think the same thing, I think the same exact thing would happen. So it's pretty, pretty cool story. How long were you there until Max Mirren became your roommate? I was there for my full five years before we were roommates. So my, uh, oh, so wow. I lived with Paul with, yeah, I lived with Paul Glenn, um, who was our 133 pounder, su- super good, uh, guy for us, super big with the culture, things I'm talking about. And, uh, you're Definitely talking to the biggest Paul Glenn here. fan. We, I, uh, I grew up right next to him. Uh, we know him uh, like, like family friends and Paul senior, unbelievable. Yep. I, any, anytime I need sales help, I call Paul senior, but Paul junior, man, the best, uh, he actually lives about <laughs> a mile from me now in the city. He is un, he's the coolest man. So you live with him first. I did live with him. Yeah. We, uh, wow. we were roommates in the dorms. Yeah. I remember he actually messaged me the summer before and was like, Hey man, like you want to be roommates? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And we ended up living together for five years until he, until he ended up graduating and leaving. But um, yeah, so so we we go way back, wow. Paul and I, and he's the man. I I couldn't agree more. Have you been up to the Chicago condo then? I have, yeah, yeah. I've gone up and and visited him a few times. My girlfriend and I went out there this summer, and uh, you know, I've been to his parents' place too, and they got the, the whole Chicago thing going. So yeah. um, he's doing awesome though. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's fantastic. And uh, so then you live with Mirren, and the only reason I bring it up is, you know, I don't really know anything about him, but when I start to watch content from you guys, you guys were just a bunch of screwballs in there having fun, man. Like, he's a he's a funny guy. <laughs> he's he's such a funny guy. I tell people all the time, uh, you know, the way he wrestles and his personality off the mat probably couldn't be much more different. So you want to talk about <laughs> you know, having an alter ego or flipping the switch. He's He's definitely got that thing going, and he's always taking jabs at me in interviews, you know, like just like little, like poking at me. I see stuff. So, um, I'll have to think of something to, to kind of well, here, jab back at him. But <laughs> here's what I saw is the, uh, the post you made about, um, leaving Iowa to go to Cornell. Everyone's, you know, everyone's comments are like very sappy, very sad. And he just posts now accepting new applications for roommates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's it's spot on. That's, uh, that's kind of how our humor is. So, um, yeah, we, we still talk a, a good amount though. He's uh, we were roommates for two years, and yeah, we, we worked hard. It was you know same thing I talked about. We worked hard, and we you know, we we were goofy. We had a lot, a lot of fun. I love the name of his uh, his snake. What is it, Miss Hiss? <laughs> Miss Hiss, yeah, yeah, Miss Hiss. She was a uh, 
she was a hand-me-down from Sammy Brooks, actually. So Brooks had the snake, and then he was looking to get rid of it, and who better to give it to than freshman mullet Max Mirren. So <laughs> he takes he takes the snake, and uh, I end up being roommates with, with a snake for two years. Two snakes, actually, if I want to count him, but – uh. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh that is uh funny because i'm terrified of animals i don't know if i could live with someone with a snake i mean that th- that thing's big too oh yeah yeah no everyone always asks that and um i remember telling my grandma when i went back home about she had heard about the snake saw a video or something and she her mind was blown everyone's mind's always blown but you know she only got out one or two times so uh for the most part, I was pretty safe. She never, she never snapped at anyone. So I guess we, we were on good terms. But she got out of the cage on her own. <laughs> she did. Yeah. She, uh, no, so he would have to, he would have to put something on the top because she would sometimes push out and then go and disappear. And they like to find like a dark, a dark space. And so she would be like down under the couch or something. And, oh, hell uh, no. yeah, it's actually a funny story is, um, he was in the process of moving this summer and, he gave a snake to Warner, I believe, and they had it down in the basement. And then they called him freaking out because they went down there and their snake wasn't in there. So she had gotten out. And I think he had to come over and end up finding it for her, but for them. But yeah, it was uh it was something. What's he doing? Yeah. Like snake whispering when he comes over there to lure her out or what? I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah, they oh, got some my. kind of weird relationship. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Man, that I couldn't think of a worse feeling than coming back and seeing that this massive snake is not in the tank. That would be, that'd be another level. So (laughs) when I looked at your Iowa career, there's so many moments to talk about, but the one that I was personally there for that I get chills even talking about, and I rewatched it this morning, got chills again. And uh, it's the 2000 duel, obviously Penn state and Iowa. I mean, that duel meet to this day is one of the most electric moments that I've ever been a part of. And you had a, a really clutch moment of the duel when you when you beat Mark Hall. And I know you guys have gone back and forth, but that duel meet in particular, man, what what memories come to mind for you like as you're getting ready for your match? Because they had that the crazy thing with DeSanto and it it was kind of like a weird duel meet early on. Super weird early on. And I know a big thing for me was always to kind of stay in my own match. Coaches would talk about a lot, you know, these these big duel meets, you know, it's you can you can root for your teammate without you know, going crazy and spending, spending all this mental energy. So um, I just remember I was sitting in a chair kind of back in the tunnel. That's where I'd watch a decent amount. And, you know, this stuff happens. We give up six at 33. Um, I think we gave up a tech at 41, like, uh, cause Mirren was out and um, yeah, it was just kind of like things are spiraling the wrong way and momentum's big in a duel. So I, I got up and I went back up into the room and just kind of was relaxing by myself. Basically I had a couple guys up there, I think, but um, kind of took myself out of the, the atmosphere to just relax. And, you know, then I just got ready to go. And I just kind of remember thinking um, really simple thoughts, just go out, you know, move my feet, wrestle hard, wrestle to score and, and just stay in there, keep wrestling, keep wrestling. And um, I get tossed right off the bat. Same thing. Keep wrestling, keep wrestling, come out on top. And just kind of from there, that was just the mentality that that, that simple thinking and, you're showing the moment there that, uh, you know, I go back and watch it now. It's kind of a different perspective because when, when I was in it, I wasn't really wrapped up in the moment, but yeah, I go back and, and, and someone, you know, if it comes up or something, I'll see it. And um, yeah, I get the goosebumps too. It's pretty, pretty special Man, moment. Very special. Yeah. And if you, it's, I love watching the coaches when it's all going down and 
that that opening sequence with the headlock was crazy because the match before that, Marinelli and Chenzo, they did their awesome dance where they both, you know, upper yeah. body, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And Marinelli went to his back. And so, I mean, things could have gotten really bad, but what were you thinking when, when Mark Hall kind of explodes in there with the double underhooks? Were you expecting that? Um, I, I had seen, I knew he had power. I knew that he was good from there. I think I just was probably hanging out a little bit too much, not, not, uh, wrestling hard out of it early in the match. Maybe I wasn't quite ready. Um, but yeah, he threw me and I just kind of blacked out fighting out of it. I, you get kind of these split second thoughts in your head and I, I don't know why, but I remember thinking like, man, if I, you get these weird thoughts in wrestling match, I remember thinking like, man, if I get, if I get pinned here, like he's going to have like a, a huge celebration in places like just like runs through my mind really quick. And then I just somehow come out of it and you now it's back to those simple thoughts, you know, and just kept wrestling. And so what are your, the simple thoughts you say are like, what move your feet, keep wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, keep wrestling, look to score, move my feet, just, little positive affirmations, just, you know, kind of switching my focus, not, not getting caught up in dual score, you know, coming off of, you know, Marinelli losing crowd and, you know, there's so many places your mind can go. And for me, it was just very, very simple thinking, you know, it's like my, my dad growing up would always be like, you know, sometimes you got to just lower your IQ, just simple thoughts, lower your IQ. So that kind of thing. And, you know, you wrestled in Carver, you know, 50, 60 times, but, you know, for for a team to come in who isn't traditionally wrestling at Carver, I mean, Penn State might be an exception because they have massive crowds of their own. I mean, when you first wrestled in Carver, was it a change to get used to the the noise and and the emotional swing of the crowd? It was. Um, I remember my first my first big dual meet I wrestled um, an Iowa State guy, and I kind of went out, scored early, was controlling the match. I think I locked up a cradle, almost pinned them, and you know, I was super fired up, and then I kind of felt that adrenaline dump where I was like spent myself i think it was just a lot of getting too fired up really so after that match i kind of learned okay i can embrace the crowd and, and love the crowd but stay relaxed and stay in my my own zone so that was kind of something that i learned pretty early on i think wrestling an environment like that helped for for later when you wrestle you know away dual meets or you wrestle in the big tens ncas you're kind of you're kind of ready to deal with those atmospheres yeah because I mean, going back to that Penn State one, I mean, they, the noise was just deafening the whole whole dual meet. And as you start, you know, you never never actually gave up any points on the headlock. You scrambled out, score. You actually scored yourself. And as the match goes on, you're starting to chip away. And one of your shots, it looked like to me, is you club with the left, pull single with the right. But a lot of times you finish it like a high crotch. Would you? Was that kind of your plan, or would that just happen based on what the guy gave you? Yeah, that kind of just happened. I mean, I knew, I knew where I wanted my hands from the top high up, and uh, that was something that kind of started developing in the practice room. And it's weird because it's not something that I was necessarily even drilling. It was just kind of coming out. I'd be wrestling live, hitting whatever, and then it's like just started feeling it. You know, it's just one of those those weird things started clicking, and um, it's 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 cool to see. That's one of my favorite things about wrestling is you can hit something in the practice room, and then you're not even thinking. Then boom, that muscle memory hits, and you hit it in the match. So. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a little bit of an outside step, um, where I pop my head out and, it, and it's good, especially wrestling a, a guy that has really good defense. I mean, I, he has incredible defense, so, you know, you're going to have to be able to finish quick. And would you always set it up with the left hand club and then pull with the right? That, yeah, I would say for the most part, yeah, if I'm shooting with that right hand, I like shooting off that collar tie, you know, so I can snap from there. Or I can shoot from there. It kind of gives me 
a little more options. And when you think about the practice room at Iowa, you know, I don't know a lot of like what it's like in there with, with, with the brains brothers, but knowing that you came from a system in PA where you're around super high level guys all the time, was the actual practice structure and like how you went about like your weekly training, was that like what you expected or what was that like for you? Yeah. I, I don't think the structure itself was too different from what I expected. I think that even though I came from really good high school rooms, it's, it is different walking into not only a college room, but a college room like that, where, um, you know, I was wrestling those, those guys that were trained to, to win the Olympic gold a lot, you know, I was trained, you know, the, the, those freestyle guys and I was trained with the guys in the team and just kind of, um, I don't know. It was, it was a little bit more like, Hey, if I'm not ready to go today, like I'm going to not only get beat, like I'm going to get beat bad. So I got to be ready to go every single day. And I think sometimes whenever you're in high school, or you're younger, you can kind of walk into practice a little bit, maybe half cocked and get away with it. Whereas I found out pretty quickly there, like, Hey, if I'm not coming in, like fueled up, ready to go, mine in the right spot, like these guys aren't going to feel bad for me. They're going to, they're going to try to put a whooping on you. So that was kind of an adjustment I would say. And once you were really in the groove, like sophomore, junior year, where you're coming into your own, what did your like day in the life look like? What was your regiment? Yeah, I would usually get up, go in, do something in the morning, either have a drill or a lift, or sometimes I would just, you know, hop on like an airdyne bike, just kind of get my body going in the morning and then, um, you know, shower up, eat, go to class. And then we'd have practice at three o'clock. So I'd just stay pretty low key and then come in for that three o'clock workout. And then, you know, after that, I was going, usually, you know, eat with some of the guys and then you got to get that schoolwork done too. So I'd kind of get that done at night and then repeat. So it was a, it was a pretty, pretty routine thing. And you obviously would have times where I'd be busier and less busy, but um, I've always liked structure. So I kind of liked having a, a day-to-day routine that was pretty, pretty consistent. And when you were down at 57, was that a pretty hard pull for you? Yeah, it was interesting because, um, my first year at 57, it really wasn't bad. I remember I wrestled 49, my red shirt year. Sorensen was at 49. I remember thinking like, you know, one of us is probably going to have to move up. You know, I, I feel like I'm growing. I feel like I should just commit to it. And, I didn't think of myself as a huge 57 pounder. And then that following off season, I think I just, you know, I continued to kind of develop, maybe even grew a little bit. And uh, I came back that second year and it was tough. I, I think what was tough was doing it consistently, you know, in wrestling, you're wrestling these good guys. You got to do everything right. You got to do it consistent. And um, just kind of became one of those things where it was, it was getting really hard to hold it. I felt like I didn't have much grew up or else my weight was going to suffer a little bit. And, and like you said, you're going through that Big Ten grind where every other, every week, sometimes twice a week, you're race, wrestling a really good guy. And, you know, there's a lot of talk now amongst the the Twitter wrestling world of like, what's the appropriate number of dual meets in a season? How can we get guys wrestling, you know, more consistently without having to sit out duels if they hurt or not hurt? You know, that's a different story. But, you know, you've been through it so many times. I mean, that January, February stretch how tough is that to to battle through that and stay mentally on point as well as physically healthy? Yeah, I, I think it definitely can be tough. I think it's one of those things where you really learn how to kind of balance yourself about not getting too low and not getting too high. Because I mean, uh, you know, I don't think I went through it myself, but I saw some really good guys that took multiple losses in a row that probably haven't lost three matches in a row, maybe ever, you know, coming into college. So you just kind of, you kind of learn that, um, you know, maybe you're not going to feel a hundred percent 
every single time you're out there in practice or in a match, but you keep, you kind of keep your mind sharp. You, you stay consistent in what you're doing and you kind of just trust in it that, you know, you take it one day at a time. And, and I, I always did feel good looking back on into the postseason. Like, you know, I'm battle tested. I've wrestled all these guys. Um, you know, I'm, I'm ready to, to kind of throw them all in there. And then for the big tens and nationals, it's like, Hey, I've already done this. You know, I'm ready for it. Yeah. I mean, plus you got, you got some of the best coaches in the world in your corner, the brains brothers, morning star. I mean, what was the, when you, you look back on all the great coaches you've had is like, man, some of the, some of the greats, you know, maybe the greatest kids coach ever and Jody strip matter. And now your high school coach is highly respected. Then you get to the brains brothers. You know, what, what was it about them that you think makes them such effective coaches when you look at looking back now? Yeah, I just think they, they were really good at, um, you know, being knowing what was best for me and sticking to it and not, you know, it, it wasn't, it was never cookie cutter. You know, they, they treated me like Michael Kemmer, you know, they said, and I remember there was a saying like, like Terry would be like, Kem style is Iowa style. Like basically what you do is what you do. And, and we're building around that. And I think that was a pretty big thing. Um, everybody has their different ups and downs. I definitely did. And they stuck by me through it and you have that trust and, I think when you step out on the mat and you, and you have all that trust in the guys in your corner and your teammates and everything, it makes it a lot easier to, to battle adversity really. And to, to be confident you're going to come out on top. I think they were, they were really good with that, that mental side of it. And so like making it about the individual more so than putting everyone into one box kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. I would say so, because I mean, we definitely had some unique guys in the team. I mean, Spencer compared to, you know, me compared to Marinelli compared to, I mean, you go through weight by weight and, you know, we were all, we were all successful, but we had a lot of different ways to get to that same goal. And, um, you know, I think that's something that's really important as a coach is to be able to reach the athletes the way they need to be reached. And I think they did a great job with that. Well, and the, the last question I have for you kind of dovetails back into what you're doing now. Now, I don't, I don't know how often you get to go to like the Cornell practice with Yanni and Vito and, and those guys because of the what you're doing with the gray shirts. Maybe it's every day. I don't know, but you know, you're around Kellen Russell, Mike Gray, Gwizdowski, Frank Pirelli, and you know, the guys you're coaching, um, you know, indirectly Vito and Yanni, maybe some of the best wrestlers of our generation. I mean, definitely some of the best wrestlers of our generation. What have you picked up just from a different way of doing it, um, at Cornell, or is it really not that different from how you guys did it at Iowa? Yeah, no, I definitely have picked up, just, you know, it's kind of the same thing I'm talking about where different ways to get to that same objective. And I think it's kind of been the same thing I talk about whenever I, I first stepped into the Iowa room and my ears and eyes are wide open. It's the same thing. These guys have all had success and trying to pick their brain and, and learn, you know, how, how they do things. And it's been awesome. And like I said, this is a different, it's a different kind of program. It's not a power five program. You know, they got, they got to do a lot of fundraising, um, you know, there's differences with, with athletic scholarship, obviously, you know, there's so many different things in that realm. And then the practice structure, I mean, you got a lot of these guys that are, that are, they have their minds set on going and conquering the business world and, and world outside of wrestling. So it's just a different environment. And, and I like, I like being put in different environments and learning from it and seeing the different ways of doing things. So I, I feel blessed to Man. just, it's just more great coaches and athletes to be around to add to all the people I've already gotten to be around. So seriously, man, it's like a, a dream situation. Now you, I know that no one can predict the future and we have two minutes left, but I'm just curious if you look at the next five years for you, is it going into business? Is it 
doing some wrestling? Is it coaching? Do you have any thoughts on what that would look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of recently made the decision. I'm, I'm going to keep competing. So, um, I Let's definitely want to stay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm planning on, uh, hitting the freestyle circuit. Uh, just healed up from my, from my shoulder and, you know, I'm around these guys every day and, um, you know, I, I got the, the burn to, to keep going. So, um, that, that's, that's, that, that's immediately in store and, and continuing to, to coach these, these, uh, uh, young guys too. So that's, that's the immediate plan. Can't, can't get too much farther after that. So, so 79 or 74, or where are you going to 70, be at? 79, 79. Yep. Wow. Yep. So, that's awesome. Yeah. So maybe, yeah. uh, you got, you got Paris in 24, we got LA in 28. So man, <laughs> I'm so excited that you're going to be back on the circuit. So will you be at the U S open this year? Yeah, that's the plan. Yep. Be at the U.S. Open. So love get it. Getting to it. Love good it. Stuff. I'm excited. We got a good group of guys here. So bring back the reversible single at the red and blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Michael Kemmer, man, it's been so fun to have you on. I don't know why it hasn't been sooner. Um, you know, as I said, super fun to watch you at Iowa and just one of the legendary careers of that program. And so excited that you're at Cornell now and wish you nothing but the best, man. Thanks for coming on. Yep. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode with Michael Kummerer. This episode was sponsored by Beat the Street Chicago. Please go to btschicago.org slash donate. btschicago.org slash donate. This episode is also brought to you by Quant Wrestling. Download the Quant app now in the Apple and Google Play stores. Q-U-A-N-T. Quant Wrestling. And that's it, folks. We'll see you next week with a new episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. Peace!